0: This is the Hack Your Wealth Podcast, episode 82. Welcome to the Hack Your Wealth Podcast, where we teach wealth building hacks for lawyers, engineers, and MBAs. I'm your host, Andrew Chen. All right, thanks so much again for tuning into the podcast. For today's episode, I invited another guest to come and share their tips and strategies and insights with us. So before we jump into that, as always, I want to invite you to join the private Hack Your Wealth Facebook group. You can access that at hackyourwealth.com slash FB. Definitely encourage you to join us there. It is a place for us to connect, have a two way dialogue. I'm in there every single day, often multiple times a day, and I try to respond to every question and comment there. And it's a place where people can ask about financial independence, early retirement, tax strategies, real estate investing, side business income, online income, career transitions, career advice, or just ask about whatever's on their mind related to personal finance or career related issues. Definitely encourage you to. Check that out. It's a great friendly, helpful group of people and we would love to have you there. Again, slash fb All right, let's jump into today's interview. My guest today is Stan Hathcock. Stan is an independent annuity agent licensed in all 50 states, representing all the insurance carriers that sell annuities. He's known in the industry as Stan the Annuity Man, and he man and he maintains an educational website with blog posts, videos, and a podcast on annuities. He's published seven books on annuities. Disclaimer up front, Stan's agency only recommends contractually guaranteed fixed annuities. He does not sell variable annuities or life insurance. Stan, thanks so much for joining us today to share insights and knowledge all about annuities.
1: It is great to be here, and I hope to uh, to help dispel some of the myths and, and get the truths and the facts out there on a topic that is Kind of earned its bad reputation, you know. When you hear the guy on the on the TV saying, "I hate all all annuities," that's that's really kind of funny because Social Security is an annuity. Um, but uh, the industry has earned earned its bad reputation a lot of times on the sales practices. So today's talk talk and conversation will be great because I can dispel a lot of that and give your listeners and viewers um, the information that they need.
0: All right, so I'd love to start just by learning a little bit about your background. How did you get into becoming an expert on annuities? How did you become the annuity man? <laughs>
1: no one wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, I want, to, I want to be in the annuity industry, which annuity is kind of the curse word of the financial business. Um, I started my career with Dean Witter, which was then purchased by Morgan Stanley, which was then I went to Payne Weber, which was then purchased by Union Bank of Switzerland, known as UBS. So I was a retail investment advisor for a long, long time. Um, and then just decided that that wasn't where I wanted to be for a lot of reasons. Just, you know, just the, the fact that there was not a lot of autonomy left, in my opinion, of how to build your book of business and what you wanted to focus on from an investment standpoint. And so I just took some time off and, um, you know, was driving around in the car. I, I'm primarily based in Jackson, in the Jacksonville, Florida area, Ponte Vedra Beach, which is north of St. Augustine, south of uh, Jacksonville on the East Coast. And I heard one of these Saturday morning radio shows about indexed annuities. And I knew what they were saying on it was incorrect, and it was fraudulent, and they were misleading people, and it was just all hype. Um, And so I called in, and I just completely destroyed the people factually, because I was pretty familiar with the annuity space, having worked with UBS. I mean, they were a leader in the Swiss annuity space a long time ago. And um, what I was hearing was just garbage. So from that people's you know recognized my name locally, started calling me and saying, hey, uh, Stan, can you look at our annuity? And from that, it just became Stan, the annuity man. So it wasn't planned. And then from there, once I got in the space, I figured out that no one was really focusing on the contractual guarantees of the policy, which I thought was hilarious because these are contracts. I mean, you should never buy an annuity for what it will do. You should buy it, I mean, for what it might, you should buy it for what it will do. And the will do are the contractual guarantees of the policy. That's the reason I focus primarily on the fixed annuity space. And there's many different types of fixed annuities out there. But every single one of my recommendations and clients, when they purchase, um, they're buying the contractual guarantees of the policy.
0: All right. That's good background. Thanks for helping us uh, kind of get that context situated. Uh, So to kick things off, what is an annuity? Like, and for folks new to the concept, what is the purpose of buying an annuity? Like, why would I want to buy one?
1: let's go backwards a little bit. Annuities were, were actually introduced in the Roman times as a pension payment for the dutiful Roman soldiers and their family. Um, if you've taken any type of Latin, the annua is, is either payment or annual payment. And that's where the root word comes from, annuities. And annuities have been sold in the United States um, for hundreds of years. And their primary purpose is for lifetime income. It is a private personal pension plan um, that's the reason I joke when when you hear the ads that say, I hate all annuities. I mean, Social Security is the best inflation annuity on the planet. Um, but annuities, that's their, if you said, hey, what what separates annuities as a class, as a category um, from all other products? And it's the fact that they offer lifetime income. Now, with that being said, there's products out there that are for principal protection. There's products out there that's for long-term care. There's products out there that's for legacy but I've come up with the acronym PIL, which I kind of did backwards there. P stands for principal protection. I stands for income for life. L stands for legacy. The other L stands for long-term care. If you don't need to solve for one or more of those items in that PIL acronym, you do not need an annuity. So annuities primarily for my clients, they're using them primarily for principal protection or a lifetime income because we live in a world where most Companies don't provide pensions anymore. They provide 401ks to find contribution plans. And at the end of, the, uh, of your working time, you're going to have to convert that into a lifetime income stream of some sort. And that's where annuities can fit.
0: Got it. Okay, so that's really helpful. Um, but I do want to get into the different types of annuities. But before mm-hmm. I even do that, uh, as if you were explaining to a four-year-old, how does an annuity actually work the mechanics?
1: Depends on the type. So if you said, Stan, explain to me the lifetime income types of annuities, there's four different ones, single premium, immediate annuities, deferred income annuities, qualified longevity annuity contracts and income riders. My, my, I'm looking at the four year old and saying, here's how it works. The older you are, the higher the payment. The payments are primarily based on your life expectancy at the time you take the payments. Interest rates play a secondary role. If you set it up joint with a spouse or partner, it is on both lives. Um, so as long as you're breathing, the annuity company is on the hook to pay, which, kind, which, is, which is tough for people to get their arms around because the first question people ask me is, what's the ROI on that, Stan? And I go, I don't know until you die. Up until then, it's a transfer risk. So that's the lifetime income. If you look at the principal protection annuities out there like indexed annuities or a multi-year guarantee annuities, those are CD-type products. And the way it works, you give the annuity company money, they protect the principal, and they provide an interest rate from that. I think one of the misconceptions out there is people think that I'm not going to buy an annuity because if I buy the annuity and I die, the insurance company keeps the money. That's not true. Um, That's one way of 40 ways to structure an income annuity. And then the other uh, misconception is people think that it's all about income. No, you can buy annuities that protect the principal.
0: Okay, great. So when it comes to annuities, I you know. You've already re- um, referenced some of them, but I hear terms like immediate versus deferred, fixed versus variable versus index, certain period versus lifetime. Mm-hmm. For folks who are new to annuities, could you help shed light on what are the main differences in types of annuities? How do each of the types work? And what are the main like pros and cons consumers should be aware of for each one?
1: Well, let's just talk about the cons first. Let's get that out of the way because I always like to leave with, you know what's, what's the downside? And the downside with annuities, dip, dip, regardless of the type, Um, is you're giving up um, opportunity. You're buying a contract, you're transferring risk because that's what annuities are. You're the risk transfer products. You're transferring the risk to either solve for lifetime income, principal protection, um, legacy, or long-term care. But to go through the, I always tell people with income, you either need income now or income later. You need either to start right now or at a future date. Um, From that specific answer that you would give me, then that determines the product that we would then quote um, and from a principal protection standpoint, just looking at interest rates, you know, a multi-year guarantee annuity is the annuity industry's version of a CD, you know, and I have a live feed on my site. You're just choosing that for the, the highest interest rate. I think it's very important to make annuities simple because they are simple. They're contracts. And if people would just lean in on that PIL acronym that I give them and not go into the, the weeds and, the, and go down the rabbit hole of, you know, how does a variable annuity work or how does an indexed annuity work? But instead say, this is what they solve for and do I need to solve for that? I I can follow up with that. If you want to dig in with other questions based on specific products, I can do that. But once again, there's many types of products, um, six or seven primary types, depending on what how you're looking at.
0: Or maybe is there, um, since you use this PIL acronym, maybe you could talk about Maybe that's a better frame. Like, what would be the type of product that you wouldn't want that you would want to consider for each of the acronym uh, letters?
1: Well, principal protection comes down to two products. It's a fi- it's a multi year guarantee annuity, which is a fixed rate annuity, and what's called a fixed indexed annuity, which has a a call option attached for for potential gains. But both of those are CD type products. The I is income for life. That comes down really to four products: single premium immediate annuities, deferred income annuities. Qualified longevity annuity contracts and what's called income riders that can be attached to variable or or, um, or index products. The L is for legacy. Uh, legacy, you can buy riders' attachments to policies that can be a death benefit if, if you do not qualify for, for life insurance. And life insurance is the best death benefit strategy out there, but a lot of people can't qualify for that. And annuities have guaranteed issue products that you can attach a rider for that legacy. And then the other L is long-term care. There are annuities out there that will, um, that provide the guarantee of the principal, but it also um, provides long-term care coverage if needed. If you don't need to use the long-term care coverage, you still have full control over the asset. I think it's very important for your listeners and the the demographics that you're reaching. And we discussed that on a a recent call, we got to know each other. Um, You should never, ever, ever, ever buy an annuity of any type for market growth. If anyone is ever pitching you an annuity and say, you know, you really should buy this uh, for market growth, they don't know what they're talking about and they historically don't know the facts about annuities. Now, the only argument against that is a variable annuity of which I do not sell because I don't sell anything that has the potential to go down. But in essence, a variable annuity is a life insurance policy because life insurance companies issue annuities. It's a wrapper around mutual funds. My opinion on that, just go buy the mutual funds. I think you'd be better off and you and you have more choices because all variable annuities um, have limitations on the mutual funds that you can choose. Now, it, variable annuities were put on the planet in, 19, in the 1950s for tax deferred growth. And there's an argument, say, for a no-load variable annuity. But even then, a no-load variable annuity limits your choices. I think if you're looking for pure market growth, you should not limit your choices. That's the reason I say don't buy an annuity for market growth.
0: Got it. Okay. If, um, so you mentioned the, the four kind of pill acronym mm-hmm. um, letters, principal protection, uh, income, legacy, and long-term care. Okay. So if you wanted to solve for two or more, should you buy two or more nudies or is there a single product that can fit any combination of those?
1: Even though if you go to the bad chicken or expensive steak dinner seminar that the agent's going to invite you to, they're going to tell you they have the product that fits all of that. They do not. If you're going to solve for it, you need to buy a specific annuity to solve for that specific um, goal. Um, there is not a one-size-fits-all. I think it's very important to point out to your listeners and viewers that annuities are commodity products. There's not one that's better than the other. You should shop them all like you shop a plane ticket. You know that's what we've done at my site, theannuityman.com. You can run your own quotes. You know, look at the best live feeds. You don't have to. You know, no one's going to call you. You can shop because. Um, I say annuity quotes change like a gallon of milk every seven to ten days they expire and you have to re-quote it unless you lock it in and go through the application process
0: okay is it is it fair to say that in terms of vol- like sales volume like in terms of the popularity of the product is there a concept if there's a concept of a plain vanilla annuity that that would be uh, a fixed annuity is that fair yep. to say
1: not really because there's there's six different types of fixed annuities so if you said, what's the plain vanilla version of, a, of an annuity for lifetime income, that would be a single premium immediate annuity. What's the plain vanilla version of an annuity for principal protection, that would be a multi-year guarantee annuity. Um, so it really comes down to, I always ask people two questions. What do you want the money to contractually do? And when do you want those contractual guarantees to happen and to start from those two answers, then I can pinpoint number one, if you even need an annuity and I'll tell you if you don't, and number two, if you do need an annuity based upon that those answers, then we know what type to go quote that's going to provide the highest contractual guarantee.
0: Okay, maybe you asked a different way. What are the most common annuities that are sold?
1: Unfortunately, it's the highest commission ones, um, and we're going to get to the, the uh, on how commissions are paid, etc. But currently, the leading sales um, products are the variable annuity and the index annuity. In my opinion. Um, and I do call myself America's annuity agent because I do think I'm the thought leader out here, it's it's solely for the purpose of that. that's really the highest commission products out there. I think the most pro-consumer products are the ones that are low commission, that are easy to understand. I always say, if you can't explain the annuity to a nine-year-old, you shouldn't buy it. No offense to nine-year-olds. It really should be that simple. The more complex, the more longer the surrender charge product, um, the higher the commission. Unfortunately, I think the annuity industry is making a mistake. They could solve this problem if they would just have a single level low uh, commission that's built in uh, for all product types. And I think that would force the agents and advisors to recommend the product that is suitable and appropriate for that specific situation.
0: OK, uh, when it comes to fixed annuities, is the... Um you know, is the payout rate based on the original lump sum contract premium out with no inflation adjustment over the years? Like if I buy a $100,000 fixed annuity, is my annual payout rate always going to be based on 100000 nominal dollars? Or does that 100000 get inflation adjusted over time?
1: Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about let's break it down into two types. Let's say you're buying it just for principal protection, you're going to get a guaranteed interest rate like just like you would on a bond coupon or cd coupon but i think what you're asking about is you put a hundred thousand dollars in and you buy a, a, an annuity for lifetime income what is that primarily based on the pricing mechanism is primarily based on your life expectancy or life expectancies at the time you take the payment interest rates play a secondary role you're transferring risk to solve for longevity there's mortality credits involved in there which means that they're taking everyone at your age group. They're pricing where your life expectancy is going to be. Some people are going to live longer. Some people are going to get live shorter. That's always tell people annuity companies have the big buildings for a for reason because they know when you're going to die. But the bigger question that you ask that I think is very important is about inflation. And inflation is kind of the gorilla in the room. Is there a, an annuity product that, that really is good about addressing inflation? The sales pitch people will say yes. Um, the factual annuity man will say no. Um, and there are... When you, when you buy a lifetime income stream product, whether it's a single premium, immediate annuity, a deferred income annuity, whatever, you can attach what's called a COLA, cost of living adjustment. You can choose that percentage increase that will increase your payments for the life of the policy. Sounds fantastic. Let me put on the brakes here and tell you about the facts. Once you do that, the annuity company is going to lower the initial payment by, say, 30 to 40%. Um, to make up for that increase. So if you're buying an immediate annuity, I would encourage you to quote with and without a COLA to see how much how much that's going to cost you to add that increase in. In the past, you could attach what's called a CPIU, Consumer Price Index for Urban Consumer Increase, but those no longer exist. I think they'll come back, if interest rates come back. But right now, you can attach a COLA, uh, cost of living increase, to the income stream, but Annuity companies have the big buildings for a reason. They do not give anything away and they know when we're going to die. So, you know, it sounds good in theory, but mathematically, I don't think you'll like it.
0: Okay, so um, uh, the it sounds like the default then is no inflation adjustment. You'd have to add that as an option. It's going to lower your initial payments, uh, but the default is no inflation. Then doesn't that mean, I mean, that's a major risk, right? Because it means over your lifetime, especially toward the later years of your life, it's, it's meant for lifetime income, mm-hmm. but it's just sure. going to erode your purchasing sure. power, right? So like well, yeah, if the but... purpose is to give you lifetime security, it seems like without a COLA adjustment, you kind of like diminish that security. Is that fair to say?
1: Yes and no. I mean, number one, you're building, when you get to the the finish line, whatever finish line is, chapter two of your life, when you are going to retire or do something different, you're, you're going to put an income floor in place. That income floor is going to include dividends, stocks, bonds, of social Security down the road and an annuity type structure that provides a lifetime income stream and let's just say you don't choose a colon and you have one that's just a static payment the way to solve for inflation with annuities is to reverse engineer the quote for inflation when it hits the thing about inflation that that kind of I kind of giggle about a little bit because people you know it's all it's it's all personal you know inflation to me is different from inflation to you because you know you and Kelly have a three and a half year old you, know, you have a different inflation of buying diapers and buying baby food than I do with two daughters that are 24 and 22, because they're out of the home. But what I tell my clients, there's two ways to use annuities to address inflation. Number one, you can buy annuities to start at a future date. So we do have laddering strategies that will say, let's just say you're 55 years old, you can have income starting at 60, 65, 70, 75, and 80, which will combat inflation. Or you can buy annuities at the time, you need to fill in that income gap floor, I'll give you an example. The income floor, let's just say, is $3,000 a month for you that you need to hit. It needs to hit your bank account every month to live the lifestyle that you deserve. And let's just say inflation hits and you now need $3,400 a month. You know, I would encourage people to then reverse engineer to solve for that $400 that you need for your specific income floor. And that's where an immediate annuity comes in and you can run that reverse engineer quote on my site. But there's no perfect answer to uh, inflation with annuities, just a bunch of bad sales pitches.
0: <laughs> okay. So in your you know $3,000 versus $400 example, does that mean, if I'm kind of um, understanding, does that mean that you would want to basically buy another annuity at a later point in time to true up? Is that suggesting like a laddering strategy? Like if if you're really worried about inflation, just do a laddering strategy that you just keep building ladders several years in advance or something like that?
1: Yes. Yes, you can do that. But I would encourage your listeners and viewers because they're high IQ people that you know, what I call defer to SPIA. And defer to SPIA means, you know, hold off until you need that lifetime income guarantee. At that point in time, you buy an immediate annuity. In other words, keep your money in the market, keep your money in growth and uh, growth vehicles that are not annuities because annuities aren't growth vehicles. And strategies. And then at the time you need income, you buy the immediate annuity at that time, transfer the risk, and put in that personal pension, which is in essence what a single premium immediate annuity is at that time. If you're one of those box checkers and planners and you want to make sure that, you know, I'm 55, and the example I gave is starting to 60, 65, 70, 75, then yes, you could buy them all right now and know to the penny what that income stream is going to be at that future date. Once again, remember. the the income stream is primarily based on your life expectancy at the time you take the payment. If you're buying annuities and deferring the the income start date, the annuity companies do reward you for allowing them to hold on to the money. They do enhance that payment. I always say, the more you let it cook, the more you get. But remember, you're transferring the risk. These are commodity products. You've got to shop all carries for the highest contractual guarantee. And fixed annuities are issued and approved at the state level. So every state is gonna have different offerings than the other state. So if you're in Texas, you're going to have a different quote, different companies that, that um, and that's the reason we quote all carriers, just to make sure we're covering every state and all of the companies that are available there.
0: Where, so I, boy, I have so many questions on. So why, why, uh, why do different states have different pricing? Is that because of different longevity risk calculations?
1: No, it's because fixed annuities are regulated at the state level. Variable annuities are regulated uh, by FINRA and the SEC. It's, it's a, a series seven issue. and uh, Series seven is the licensure that you'd have to get just like a stockbroker I used to call him a the stockbroker back when I was doing that, but no fixed annuities. All those fixed annuity types that I mentioned are is, are, are regulated at the state level. So each state has you know Department of fin- Financial Services or Insurance Services that regulates those insurance products within that state. So for example, you know the offerings in Florida and Texas might be different than the floor, than the offers in new in New York and Oregon, New Jersey, whatever. Can so I arbitrage it, it,
0: that? If I'm in Florida, can I buy a Texas annuity if that's more attractive? I get better bang for buck. No, bucks.
1: you can't. Um you have to buy you you have to buy the annuity that uh, in your state of residence and it has to be signed in that state. So, um very heavily regulated. You know, the annuity companies, annuities aren't companies aren't smarter than banks. They're just more regulated. That's the reason we haven't seen um, you know, any, if at all problems uh, with the annuity industry now could that change? Yes, but um, they're not allowed to do stupid things with your money because they're they're handcuffed by the regulatory agencies down st- at the state level to uh, to not do crazy things with your money. That's the reason fixed annuities have been tra- you know traditionally safe money for people.
0: What if you move? You buy then, the annuity and, and then you move.
1: Okay, let's just say you move from Florida to Texas. Then t- the Texas rules apply. Um, And each annuity, I mean, each state has what's called a state guarantee fund. Everyone out there is familiar with uh, FDIC coverage from banks or SIPC coverage with brokerage firms. With annuities, it's it's at the state level. So each state has a state guarantee fund, and they back up annuities and life insurance. Remember, life insurance companies issue annuities. They back up those policies to a certain dollar uh, amount, and every state is different.
0: I see. So. But when I move, I don't pay anything extra. I still get the benefit of my old state. With the contract that correct. I signed in my old state, that's still what applies in my new state. Is that right?
1: That is absolutely correct. Okay, gotcha. Uh,
0: you mentioned that you know, in the deferred case, because you can kind of reverse engineer. Well, first, mm-hmm. I wanted to understand, when you say you can reverse engineer what you want, I, the way I interpret that is, okay, I think I need, I don't know, let's say $4,000 a month to live. Mm-hmm. What, In order to generate that payment each month, how much do I need to put in? And then I get quotes for that. Is that, is that basically what you mean by reverse That's
1: exactly what, what it is. If you go to my site, you can choose either, or you can say, hey, I have $400,000, what will that create? Or I need $4,000 a month, how much will it take? Then we quote all carriers. And in the reverse engineered example, then we're going to list the companies that's going to require the least amount of money to guarantee that amount that you want.
0: So if you were trying to build a ladder, then I guess you would you could just kind of project out. Okay, I think I'm going to be in retirement thirty years, let's say hypothetically, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and then in year one I'm going to need four thousand. But if I just grow that at my assumed inflation rate, then each year, how much would I need to de- How much would I need to have? And then you can stagger your purchases in that accordingly. Is
1: that right? That's that's correct. Um, I mean that's a great example. Okay,
0: so. In the deferred case, when you, you mentioned that the uh, insurance companies will reward you for deferring payment, how does the reward mechanism work? Is it in the form of a higher payout rate or is it in the form of like your principal getting to grow with the market and then the payout rate applies at the end?
1: Depending on what type of annuity, the both, both uh, examples you gave per, um, apply. For example, if you buy an indexed annuity or in essence, a variable annuity, I don't sell those, but with an income rider, then you're going to have the accumulation value grow and also that income rider benefit grow as well with, with uh, policies like qualified longevity annuity contracts or deferred income annuities that don't have any moving parts or market attachments inside of them. Um, they're going to enhance the payment by just enhancing the, enhancing the payout, enhancing the income dollar figure the longer you allow them to hold on to the money.
0: Okay. Um, I'd love to shift and talk a little bit about how insurance companies that sell annuities actually make money on the annuity products. Like what is the main way annuities are monetized by insurance companies?
1: Let's cover it a couple ways. When you When you buy a fixed annuity, the, the annuity company by law, has to have hundred percent of your money on hand in investment grade bonds day one. Uh, they whereas with a bank, I think that they, they have to have six percent of your money. they can go loan out the other ninety four and do what they want to do, but annuity companies are not trying to hit home runs with your money um they are they are trying to make one to two percent on it. they can do that with a lot of corporate paper that the individuals can't buy you know whether whether it's seven day paper thirty day paper whatever, and what you know, you've been in the business, I have two at those levels that you can buy that um, and also understand that life insurance companies issue annuities so you know, they're selling life insurance. They're selling, they're selling annuity types. You know, they have bond portfolio from decades back. Most of these companies are very old. Um, so it's a dynamic pricing model. And, and when you're buying a lifetime income stream product, they're keeping all your money. They're doling it back to you over your life projected life expectancy. They're adding an interest rate portion to that. But remember with lifetime income and annuities, and this might this is reality, but people need to understand that when you get a lifetime income stream annuity, which is the four types they're giving you money back with interest, so really the true value proposition is when you're at zero, right? Um, and your accounts at zero, and the annuity company's still on the hook to pay. That's the reason I always say there's no ROI until you die. It's a transfer of risk. Um, as long as you're breathing, they're on the hook to pay, and you have to find value in that. You know, I think one of the biggest hurdles for people with annuities, and I hope this this podcast, uh, you know, educates people. And there's just not one annuity. You can't say you hate all annuities. That's like saying you hate all restaurants. Um, There's many different types. You just have to, you have to drill down and see if does that make sense. But it's the loss of opportunity, the fear of missing out that I think um, is, it's kind of the negative attached to annuities because regardless of the type, they're contracts, you're buying a contract when at the end of the process, you're going to have a policy hard copy that's mailed to you and that's going to be a contract between you and the annuity company and the type of annuity that you that you own or have purchased is based on what you're trying to solve for that goal. But in most of the time, it's income or lifetime income.
0: Okay, so I, w- I wanted to ask this maybe in a different way. Like, so how are fees and expenses typically structured? Like, I know depending on the annuity type, there can be expense ratios, administrative yes. fees, surrender fees. I wanted to understand. Sure. Why I would like my listeners to understand, like, wh- how is the insurance company making money? Because it will give them some insight into basically where the incentives are.
1: Well, I told I, I covered how they make money on just on just you know putting making money at the one to per two, one to two percent level. That's what they're trying to do with your money. But let's talk about a couple of other things: fees, because you can't carte blanchely talk about fees. Because single premium immediate annuities, deferred income annuities, qualified longevity annuity contracts, multi-year guaranteed annuities, and indexed annuities don't have any annual fees. Variable annuities have annual fees, and that's that's where people. they sticks in their head. They go, wait a minute. Aren't these all high fees? No, they're not. Now let's talk about also the commissions. Every agent that sells an annuity gets paid a commission. It's built into the policy. Meaning, and that's, that's not being playing word games and and playing semantics here. Um, The annuity companies pay it from their reserves, just like they pay their light bill and their water bill. And so when you put a hundred thousand dollars in annuity of any type and you get your statement or you go online just to view it at the, at the company's website, you're going to see a hundred thousand dollars, but understand that the annuity uh agent did get paid typically a one time charge. And once again, with 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 annuity commissions, the simpler the product, the lower the commission. So that's the reason everyone's going, you know, in, in pitching the, the long term products, long term surrender charge products that are. Um, very complex. So that's how the agent makes money. The annuity company makes money because they're making money while they're holding onto your money, one to 2%, and they're doling it back over your life expectancy. Um, Let's take the fixed annuity type. Let's just say a fixed annuity at this point in time, at the time of this taping, uh, some states have a a, uh, a five-year Uh, annual guarantee of 3%. I know that sounds low to people, but look at the 10 year treasury in the 30 year. Okay. So how do they, how do they give more than that? What they'll do is they'll look at all of their dynamic pricing models, what their life insurance, the annuities they sell, the bonds they have and et cetera. And they'll say, okay, we think we can make three and a half percent off that portfolio. We're going to guarantee 3% to the consumer and keep the 50 basis points. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay, so it sounds like they're they're making money off a of spread on some annuity products. They're going to ch- also charge fees. Yeah. Uh, I understand that you know um, uh, agents are paid out of commission, uh, sure. paid a, paid a commission out of reserve, but th- it's baked into the cost. But in, in practice, that just means that your payout rate will be lower because if those commissions were off the table, in theory, at least some of that value would flow back to the consumer. So- Let's hope.
1: Well, I mean, that well, that would be the hope, right? <laughs> that they would pass that on. Um, and I think that you know, when, I, when I started theannuityman.com, my whole thing was, I want to go direct to the consumer. At the time I started this, there was no direct to consumer. Um, 95% of all annuities were sold 30 miles from where the agent lived, and they went to your kitchen table and blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I looked at the, the industry and said, wait a minute, this is a commodity product. It should be sold like a commodity product. And you know, pioneers take all the arrows. When I first started this, you know, the companies did not like the fact that the paperwork was being signed via, via FedEx. They were used to, you know, face to face. So um, I think in the future, um, probably in five to seven years, you will be able to buy annuities direct from the carrier without someone like me. Um, if the annuity companies could figure out how to do that now, they would and get rid of all of the distribution. But right now they haven't figured that out and I'm giving you just some inside information. But that's what we're prepared for, for that time when they say, you can, you, know, you can buy it direct. We want to be the conduit for that. And just you can, you, you pretty much can do that on my site right now, just by law at the end of the process, a licensed agent has to get on the phone with you and make sure it's suitable and appropriate. But I do think that eventually it will go to uh, a direct-to-consumer model because I was with Dean Wooder a long time ago when the first direct-to-consumer models for buying stocks online hit. And I remember people saying, "Well, that's never going to work. That's never going to happen." And look at where we are now. I think the same thing is going to happen in the annuity industry. Um, I just think it's going to take a few more years.
0: You know, I've asked before about, you know, the same question about life insurance, and I've sort of rationalized that um, the products are so varied, and the and the ne- the c- consumer doesn't always even know what they need, and that mm-hmm. that there's a lot of discovery that happens in a conversation. The, the consumer may not even know how to answer certain questions on a website. I, I, I mean, I guess this is like the, maybe the theory that you, you need an agent who can actually uh, be very high touch and ask these questions and then figure out what's the most suitable policy. Hopefully you don't have too much of a conflict of interest, et cetera. Uh, do, you, do you agree with that? And is the same, well, it sounds like you think actually that the same is not true for annuities because you think that in five years, well, you, you'd be able to buy an annuity online just like you buy on Amazon. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I agree with that premise now. But I'm I'm trying to be the person that provides enough information so people can make an informed decision on their own terms and their own time frame. I mean, I have a stand the annuity man YouTube channel with almost 500 videos that explain the details, good and bad limitations, benefits of these annuity types and strategies. I have a podcast that does that. I've you know I send these books out for free to people. You know, I am in the education uh, mode. Um, yes, I do sell annuities. Yes, I'm the top agent in the country, but. I only sell them when they're appropriate and suitable. And, and most of the time when people call up, I ask the two questions, what do you want the money to contractually do? And when do you want those contractual guarantees to start? And then the PIL acronym, that could easily be formatted into, you know, kind of a suitability and appropriateness questionnaire so that people could buy them um, without an agent being involved. So I think that, I think I, I'm kind of the pioneer in that and I hope people will join me. You know, The industry kind of drags their feet on this because they think I'm crazy for this but it's eventually going to happen. And the reason I say that is like at the time of this taping, you have 10,000 baby boomers hitting the age of 65 every single day. 90% of the people don't work for the government or a company that provides a pension. Most people have to buy a pension. The fact that the annuity industry isn't ahead of this demographic tidal wave is hilarious. They, all they're doing is making me wealthy because I am ahead of it. And I'm trying to educate people. And here's how they work. Here's the limitations, the benefits, and here's why you either should or should not buy one and then provide you know, a commoditized contractual guaranteed quote, just like you buy a plane ticket so people can make a good decision. I just think it makes sense eventually to go to that direct consumer model. The argument the industry is gonna have against me is, well, what, what about variable annuity or index annuities that are very complex? My comment to that is maybe we, maybe they shouldn't be so complex, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I uh, I think what I heard you say earlier was that uh, fixed annuities generally do not have explicit fees. They're baked in, the commission anyway. Variable right. annuities will have fees, at least for the variable side. Uh, even though I know you don't sell them, I want to um, give a sense sure. so folks understand what is the typical or reasonable all-in cost as a percent of the total contract premium that consumers should expect to pay for each of the well, for the variable, you know, you know, I know there's multiple ties, but maybe sure. a range that uh, consumers should expect to pay for variable annuities.
1: Yeah. And let's, let's talk about variable annuities. I want the, the listeners and, and viewers to understand we're just talking about variables. Okay. Um, and, and you can buy no load variables and no load variable annuities um, have no annual fees and they're fully liquid and et cetera. Like you can get one at Fidelity, but the load variable annuities, the ones with commissions, the a- the average annual fee that you should expect to pay for the life of the policy is two
0: to 3%. Uh, you caveat out the life of the policy, which has what implication or meaning
1: as long as you own it and as long as you're breathing. Okay. I mean, that's, that's it. So, you know, I, I always, when people put large amounts of money in variable annuities and there's a, say a 3% annual fee, and that doesn't make the variable annuity bad. I'm just, it's just reality. You have to look at the benefits that it provides if you're attaching riders, et cetera. But you also have to look at the fee structure because if you're buying the variable annuity for market growth, which you shouldn't, but let's just say you do and you're, you're looking at the mutual funds. in essence, if the obviously if the annual fee is, is 3%, you're starting every year on the mutual fund side, which they call separate accounts. you're starting at, at minus three. So that kind of leads in, that, that kind of complements what I said earlier, which you shouldn't buy an annuity for market growth. In my opinion, now the variable annuity people hate it when I say that. But I've been on the other side of the coin with um, with Morgan and, and Payne Weber. I, I understand growth. I understand markets. I understand um, where annuities fit and where they don't fit uh, in a portfolio.
0: Okay. Um. So in terms of mechanics, I wanted to understand how does a we, We've sort of touched upon this a little bit, where do you think the industry is going? But in terms of mechanics, how does a consumer actually buy an annuity? Like, do they go to... The life insurance company website which sounds like not the case today no. make a purchase online do they go no. to the, a bank brokerage firm do they go to a third party agent a financial yep. planner all of the bank, above
1: A bank brokerage firm or, or independent agent like myself. the problem with the banks and the brokerage firms is they're going to have limited typically they're going to have limited offerings and in a commoditized world, you want to see all carries for the highest contractual guarantees um, but but you to go through the paperwork like for just for us, for example, it's an online paperwork um, encrypted safe way to, to fill out the paperwork. Um, most annuities are sold face to face, unfortunately, and they're filling out the paperwork there. There's no underwriting. You can, you know, there's you don't have to worry about your health. They're all guaranteed issue products. Um, there are some annuities that that can be underwritten, but but those, you know, we can talk about those at a later date. But 99% of them are guaranteed issue and you have to go through the specific paperwork, give Give the um, the financial information just like your opening a brokerage account, etc. But right now, it's gone from a, an industry where independent annuity agents were the primary sellers of annuities, and now it then matriculated into banks, and now it's, re- it's it's going into the brokerage firms, and they're really pushing it, which I'm not sure is a good thing. I think if I'm going to a brokerage firm, in my opinion, I want someone to manage my money, and 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 look at markets from a broad standpoint. If they're if they're selling you a packaged product, my question to them is, why are you doing that?
0: yeah um uh yeah sorry i had a i had a follow-up question on that i just it just it just <laughs> uh spaced out on me but that's okay sure. um uh i wanted to ask so we talked a little bit about how agents are compensated with commission can you sure. talk about what just so folks know even though they're baked in they may not be paying for it explicitly uh-huh. uh they should understand the, the the intensity of incentives. What are the types of commissions? Like how much are ty- the types of commissions that agents will make? And range is fine for the sure. different types of annuity project uh, products.
1: Yeah, and, it, and also it obviously ranges from the type of annuity you structure it or the company and the specific product. But let's just go through the types real quick. Um, single premium immediate annuities are going to be anywhere from 1% to 3% baked in. Same for deferred income annuities, same for qualified longevity annuity contracts. Um, <clears throat> multi-year guarantee annuities, the, the industry's version of a CD, is going to be anywhere from 50 basis points to maybe 2%, baked in, depending on the duration. Just remember, the longer the duration for a deferred annuity, the higher the commission. Um, and then, looking at the variable and the indexed annuities, those are where the commission, the high commissions, come into play, and you'll see anywhere from 5% all, all the way up to say 9%. And then, and then on the on the fixed annuity side, there's some soft money arrangements that have been eliminated on the variable annuity side, the SEC has stopped doing the incentive trips and all that stuff. But I always kid people, you know, someone's selling you one indexed annuity and showing you one indexed annuity, they're trying to earn the trip to Italy, right? Um, And that still goes on in the annuity industry. And there's no transparency of that, which is unfortunate. Um, So and I would encourage people ask, ask the agent what the commission is. Um, it, it really comes down to the, the more simple, the product, the lower the commission, more complex and long-term the product, the higher the commission, but you know, uh, the five to the five to seven, five to 9% commission on either variable or index and index has, if you go long-term, some of those commissions can go as high as 9%. That's a lot. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's a that lot. I'm a lot. not sure I totally, I totally sign off on that coming from the brokerage world where it was a very. Low fee environment, and then when I came out here and I, I saw that I'm like, wow, no wonder people just sell index annuities, even though that's inappropriate. But that's the reason that there's a lot of one trick ponies in the annuity industry.
0: And for folks, because uh, we didn't uh, actually define these things, what is an index annuity? Just for folks an to index ten.
1: annuity is a fixed annuity. It was designed in 1995 as the uh, industry's ver- another industry version of a CD. Um, I just got stats out today that the last 10 years indexed annuity returns have have averaged around 3.3% on average annually, but that's not how they're sold. Indexed annuities are the hottest product out there because you'll hear stuff like market upside with no downside or market participation with principal protection. Well, if that was true, then that's all the Fed should buy because that's that sounds too good to be true. And I tell people all the time, if the annuity sales pitch that you're getting sounds too good to be true, it is every single time, no exceptions. So an indexed annuity is is kind of the go-go product right now because in a sales pitch world, in a seminar world, it really, really shows well. But the reality is it's a CD product. It's a principal protection product. It's a very good and efficient and cost-effective delivery system for income writer guarantees if you need income in the future. But, um, if it sounds too good to be true, it is every single time. And don't allow anyone to show you back-tested numbers, hypotheticals, theoreticals, projections, what it did do 10 years ago. That's garbage. And in some states, it's illegal. I wish it was illegal in all states.
0: So it sounds like you, you agree that uh, it is totally fair game to ask the agent, how are you being compensated and how much for each specific product? 100%. Should you always ask to see other annuity products from other competing insurance companies when uh, you're being sold an annuity product?
1: Correct. I mean, never allow someone just to show you one. And if they say, well, I've looked at all of them and this is the best one for you, translation is the best one for them. Um, (laughs) Like I said, it's it's a commodity product. You know, you should see anywhere from three to... If you're solving for a specific goal, you should see three to five uh, carrier quotes. Now, when you go to our site and run quotes, you'll see 10 or 15 at the top, you know, listing from top contractual guarantee down. Um, And people always say, well, which one's your favorite annuity? I don't have that. I don't know. I represent all carriers. My favorite annuity is the one that provides the highest contractual guarantee for your specific situation. But yes, you need to see three to five different carriers for for the solution that you're trying to solve for.
0: How should a consumer vet an agent before buying an annuity from them? Like what questions should they always ask?
1: That's a hard one I wish it was I wish there was a, a, a clearing house like FenRA has a, a, a clearing house where you can go kind of pull up brokers but from an independent agent it's, it's kind of the wild wild West. I know this sounds archaic but you might just want to uh, google Google the person's name and the word complaint beside it mm-hmm. um, That's probably the easiest way to do it um, but understand that um, the great part about a new is I think one thing we need to cover is Every single annuity type, when you buy it, you get what's called a free look time period, where you can receive the policy. The policy is in force, but you can get your money back. You don't have to call the agent. You can call the you can call the, the company and get your money back. And what I tell people, that's pretty cool because you're getting to test drive the product, even and it's and it's in force. So if someone high pressures someone into an annuity and you get the policy, call the company and say, Hey, this guy said it was going to do this, 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 and this. Is that true? If the company says no, say, hey, send me my money back and they will. So I think the annuity industry has built in that in case there's some charlatans and sociopaths out there that are really pushing these products. I think the problem with that statement is most consumers don't know that the free look exists, even though that they put the little slip of paper in the policy, but it needs to be something that the annuity industry promotes. If I was annuities are for the day, you know, the first of all, the, this, the, the logo for the annuity industry would be called Got Guarantees, just like the Got Milk ad, because it's all about contractual guarantees. And then I would say, listen, this is the only financial product on the planet you can test drive and get your money back. Why wouldn't you do that? Uh, meaning that you are protected. The insurance industry is protecting you from that slimy sales pitch at the bad chicken dinner seminar.
0: You know, when you say test drive, though, but what exactly are you test driving? Because like when you pay the money 30 days later, you haven't gotten any money back yet, right?
1: Well, you're only talking about one annuity. Okay, so you're talking about an immediate annuity. So um, an immediate annuity, most cases, people know what they're going to get. But what I'm primarily talking about are variable annuities and index annuities. And some of the things that the sales pitch has pushed a little bit over the line, um, That's the, those are the ones that you can call up and say, yeah. hey, is this sales pitch, is this actually going to happen? This is what they say, or this is how I understood it. And this is where, where I based my decision to buy it. Is this true? And if they say, you know, no, it's not, then you get your money back. And also too, sometimes people buy an annuity and things change between the time they buy it and the time the policy is issued. And once again, you get that free look time period to get your money back.
0: Okay. So, Uh, You know, we talked about agents, it sounds like, you know, there's not a great vetting mechanism. But in terms of the insurance companies, in terms of vetting insurance companies, how should investors evaluate the insurance companies that sell annuities besides just looking at their AM Best or Fitch ratings? Like what questions should consumers be sure to ask to properly vet the insurance company they're thinking about buying from?
1: One of the services that I use and I offer for free on my site is called Comdex Rankings, and it has AMBES, Standard Poor's, Moody's, and Fitch, all those ratings, and then it has a 1 to 100 score because no one knows what A, A+, AA, whatever. It has a 1 to 100 score, 100 being perfect, of those carriers. That would be your first starting point, point. Uh, and then from there, most of these carriers have, have sites that list their financials, and you can dig in deep from there. Uh, but if you're really worried about you know, carriers or carriers going out of business or the future, et cetera, then, then you would buy the annuities underneath that state guarantee coverage amount uh, just to make sure that your coverage in case something goes wrong. One of the things interesting about the annuity industry that I've witnessed is that there's a lot of self-regulation between carriers, meaning that annuities are confidence products and the big carriers know that and they don't wanna lose any confidence with the public. So they're, they, will, they will swoop in and buy up smaller carriers if they're in trouble, et cetera, to, I guess, protect the golden goose. So I think that is a a, I call it the annuity mafia, but it's pro-consumer because the the New York Life's of the world, and, and I throw that out just because they're one of the big ones, um, they're not going to allow you know, some small company to mess things up, in my opinion. M-
0: meaning that having a smear effect, like a small company goes under, then people question the validity of a big company, for example?
1: Correct. I mean, the last thing the annuity company wants ever is regardless of the annuity company, I don't want someone like my mom to go on, the, the nightly news and say, you know, she didn't get her monthly income payment. Yeah, They're going to do everything possible to not have that happen because of the demographic tidal wave of these people hitting age 65. I mean, if they do it right, if the annuity companies and the annuity industry would market this right, they would, it would be a different world, but they just don't. It's like herding cats.
0: You talked about the state guarantees and I was wondering, I, I know I'm sure every state is different, but what are the ranges of the guarantees that folks uh, should expect?
1: hundred to $300,000 per policy per owner. That's what okay. they're looking at. And that's, um, you know, so it's somewhat, you know, it's it de- it dep- it dependent on the state, the site, and I'll just go slow, it's nolhga.com, nolhga.com, And you can pull up your state and find out what that state guarantee of fund coverage is. I will say this, the annuity industry has done a good job by self-regulating and handcuffing these companies not to do stupid things with your money the state guarantee funds have really never been tested. Now, maybe that changes in the future, but up until this point, we I can't point back to a time where, hey, chaos reigned and the, here's how the state guarantee funds performed. At this point in time, it's just a warm, fuzzy safety blanket for people to buy annuities with.
0: Got it. Okay. And um, just for rough, me- like kind of mental shortcut, hundred dollars to $3,000, let's say we're just talking about fixed immediate, mm-hmm. Um that would translate into uh, approximately how much uh, of, a, of a monthly payment.
1: I can't tell you that unless I know your date of birth and when you started the income stream. I, oh, people ask true. me that all the time. Hey, Fair. what's the payout on 100000 Well, it's different if you're 55 or 65 or 75 because your life expectancy is less. The less the life expectancy is, the more the payments because of that. And I would tell I, I never give numbers on on interviews like this because I have a, a quotation, 24-7, 365 quotation system that will give you those numbers. And the reason I also don't give numbers is they change every seven to 10 days, like I mentioned before. Oh. And you know, t- today's number, if the podcast was, you know, we're, we're recording this today, a year from now, it's gonna be completely Fair different enough. because Fair enough. maybe life expectancy tables change or, or interest rates change, even though interest rates play a secondary role in the income pricing. Um, I personally believe that you have more risk in the life expectancy tables changing than you do drastic interest rate changes at this point in time
0: okay fair enough um so we talked about state guarantees uh, I also wanted to w- understand whether annuity products are protected by the reinsurance market at all or is it just this kind of good this kind of like like this mafia dynamic where uh, <laughs> where big companies will they internally just do not want anything to happen in the industry. So they effectively guarantee it, even if there's not an explicit reinsurance market.
1: Yeah. Well, let's, and, and, and the hope is that that continues and they continue to police and, and, and step in and, and take care of everything. But there, there is a, um a trend right now that's going on where the hedge funds, hedge funds, the private equities, the family offices, the big money, the institutions are getting in to the annuity space because of the demographic tire wave. And a lot of things are happening from the reinsurance area where the The companies in Bermuda, et cetera, are are buying lots of annuities. I don't want to go in the weeds here. But there are some issues that are facing the annuity companies and the annuity industry where there needs to be more transparency on the reinsurance um, steps that are in place where where companies are selling lots of annuities to these reinsurers. Um, At the end of the day, the state guarantee fund does uh, protect you. But even myself, I mean, I got a call today from a lady that uh, a large carrier had sold a lot, a, a bunch of the older annuities to a reinsurer, and she wanted to know what that meant. My comment was, I think you're okay because you're with a big annuity company, but we're digging into to find out what those numbers are and what those actually mean. And I encourage the annuity companies to be more transparent on that as, as this type of transaction continues
0: okay um so for early retirees so these are folks who are fired or plan to fire this financial independence retire early are there annuity products that exist for this group of investors given that they're effectively planning for up to two back-to-back 30-year retirements does it even make sense for early retirees to consider annuities
1: most of the time i tell people if you're less than 50 you probably shouldn't look at annuities except if there's an extenuating circumstance um uh, primarily because like with deferred annuities uh, the IRS has a 59 and a half rule, which means that if you take money out before 59 and a half, they ding you with a 10% penalty. So you don't want that. There are ways around it, which is creating a lifetime income stream through annuitization. That, that rule, if you want to get in the weeds, is called the 72T rule, but we can do that. But if you're less than 50, um, you know, I have no problem with you talking to me and giving me specific situations where it might make sense for you from an early retirement standpoint. But remember, If you're really young and you're buying a lifetime income stream, you're locking in current interest rates, even though it's a secondary pricing mechanism. And also you have a long life expectancy. So the payments aren't gonna be high. I'd rather you weather the storm a little bit with the markets and the call me when you're in your 50s. Now, the exception to those rules is like, for instance, in the state of Florida and the state of Texas, as examples, annuities provide creditor protection, um, you know, it's it's people talk about OJ Simpson having annuities and, and being a residence of Florida, whatever. But in some cases, you know, I do have a bunch of so-called entrepreneurs that or, or doctors or whatever that make a lot of money. They just want to protect the money and they want to protect it from frivolous lawsuits. In that case, if you're young, annuities do make sense. But you do have to understand the limitations from the standpoint of liquidity, the 59 and a half rule, etc. But there are cases where it does make sense.
0: But don't, don't you believe there are other there are other legal tools that are perhaps better at creditor protection and frivolous lawsuits than this?
1: Um, I, I would say, yeah, I yeah, you can make that argument. But, you know, the creditor protection statutes that you read in the state of Florida and the state of Texas, just as two examples for annuities, they're locked down and they're tight. <laughs> and so, you know, what you can't do is, you know, get sued and then. And then buy an annuity, but if the annuities are in place and someone comes at you, um, you're, you know, in those in those specific states, and there's other states. I'm just giving those as examples. Then you're you're pretty much set. So you see a lot of people that are in litigious type jobs where there's a possibility of getting sued. A lot of their money is in life insurance products and annuity products so that they can protect that from the frivolous lawsuits because lawyers just can't go there.
0: Yeah, and when you say uh, protected from lawyers, uh, is it correct that? it's only the principal that was invested, but when, when you start getting payments, each of those payments, when it hits your bank account, can lawyers go after that?
1: Yes, they can. Okay. If it's in, if it's inside the annuity structure, like a deferred annuity or a life insurance policy as an internal growth mechanism inside of it, uh, they can't touch it. Once the money comes out and into a bank account, certainly. Yeah, okay. absolutely.
0: Got it. So, you know, in high net worth and early retire retiree communities where, you know, investors are typically financially literate, capable of self-managing their own portfolio, I haven't mm-hmm. often seen uh, annuities discussed as a retirement planning tool. Um, I could also just be, you know, not aware of it. But I'm just curious mm-hmm. if you could comment on, at the end of the day, uh, you know, when you kind of synthesize everything we, we discussed, what type of investor do you think is a really good fit for annuities? Like, what are the ki- kind of markers or uh profile characteristics that would indicate that the person's really good fit for annuity versus not?
1: A person that's not fit for annuities is a person that doesn't can shoulder the risk and has no trouble trouble with risk, has no problem with it at all, can manage it, it doesn't affect them. And that could be a 40-year-old, it could be an 80-year-old, doesn't matter. But the person that wants to transfer risk or set up guarantees, and a lot of times, um, like for instance, myself, I've been married for 33 years, a lot of the annuities I have in place are for my wife because she doesn't care anything about what you know, markets or anything like that, she just wants to know she can go see the kids and the grandkids. And I put in that, those pension type annuity payments for the rest of her life and my life that she, that she can never outlive. So I think it's, it depends on the situation. I would encourage people that say, well, you know, I'd never look at annuity because I can manage the markets, the markets are doing fine. You're right, and you probably should not buy one, but maybe think about your spouse or partner and say, Do would they need that? Would I need to put that in place or start incrementally putting those laddered income um, guarantees in place? Um, that's the way that I think anyone out there, it really comes down to you wanna shoulder risk or transfer risk, and if you wanna transfer risk, are you transferring the risk to protect the principal? Or are you tra- transferring the risk to provide a lifetime income stream and create that income floor that com- combines with if a pension, if you're so fortunate, social security, dividend stocks, rental income, whatever. Because at the end of the day, when you get to chapter two of your life, the income floor is the most important thing because that's the money hitting the bank account every single month. I think that the 4% rule that people have always kind of grabbed onto, well, I can just you know keep my money in the market and pull 4% off, you know, and, and that works in raging bull markets, works like a charm, and it's worked, and and historically it's worked. But the closer you get to retirement, the less time you have to make up for those, lo- po- you know, potential losses. Um, so the four percent rule needs, I think, needs to be reevaluated. I just had a, a person on my podcast named Wade Fowle, and he did mm-hmm. research into the four percent rule, and he he doesn't think it applies because um, it, it, you know, when it was first introduced, it was only looking at U.S. markets, not European markets, and if you run it in the European markets or Asian markets, it doesn't work. So I think I think those type of um, common thoughts of, yeah, I'll just take 4% off the portfolio. I think we need to reevaluate that, um, and that's where annuities might fit from the standpoint of contractual guarantees. I think the biggest hurdle for your listeners and, and viewers is loss of opportunity, uh, the fact that they're tying their money up in some type of thing, they could do better. Yes, you could do better, which leads me back to what I said earlier, you might be a candidate for what I call deferred to SPIA, meaning don't buy an annuity until you need that income to start, you know, right when you need it to start, and then you go shop all carriers for the highest contractual guarantee.
0: Stan, this has been extremely insightful. I really appreciate the. I love the kind of candor, the kind of no nonsense, straight to the, uh, straight to the truth, uh, uh, insight here. Where can listeners find out more about you and what you're up to?
1: Um, go to theannuityman.com. And that's the way, where I would start because you can order my books. We'll ship them to you for free and no one's going to call you. Um, and they're really unique owner's manuals that cover all the product types I talked about. They're like 50, 60 pages, easy reads, and we'll ship them to you for free. No problem to do that. Also, at theannuityman.com are you can use our calculators and you can run quotes 24 7, 365 without anybody bothering you, et cetera. I'm trying to, you know, people always say no one wakes up in the morning and, and wants to buy an annuity. Um, our saying is, is the annuity man is where annuities are bought, not sold. Uh, we want you to understand what you're getting, understand what the good and the bad of that. In addition, I do a podcast called "Fun with Annuities and my YouTube channel, in the Annuity Man. You know, we post um, three to four videos a week and there's right at 500 on all product types. And so you can get educated without having to interact with anybody. And of course, I'm available if you want to book a call with me.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes, uh, that resource. Thanks so much again for taking the time to chat with us. Look forward to sharing this with our audience and and uh, best wishes on everything.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. Cheers. Take care.
0: All right. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's guest interview and got a lot of value and insights from it. If you like this episode, please hit that subscribe button to get new episodes automatically sent to you. Would love for you to not miss any episodes because the Hack Your World podcast has a mix of action packed solo shows where I walk you through specific strategies and tactics step by step, as well as guests who share their expertise about specific areas of personal finance, and finally, profile interviews of business owners who are trying to turn their side hustles into fully financially self sustaining passive income streams. We break down exactly what they do, how they do it, and how much they're earning. So be sure to subscribe. So you don't miss any of that great content. Also would love if you could help me out and take 30 seconds to go to Apple podcasts and leave a podcast review. It helps to support this podcast and it helps other people who are looking for topics like this, find the podcast. And I really appreciate it. If you could take a minute and just leave an honest review. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the hack your wealth podcast with Andrew Chen. If you like the show, Please leave us a review on iTunes and check out hackyourwealth.com for all our latest content.